are now listening to Abstract Thought, a podcast where creatives from many different disciplines discuss their inspirations, interests, travels, and a whole lot more. Today, I'm sitting down with my good friend Lizzie Bilbrey for Abstract Thought number seven. She's a multidisciplinary artist specializing in graphic design, animation, videography, and a whole bunch more. Um, so yeah, what's up, Lizzie? Yo, yo, yo. What's up? Thanks for the introduction. No problem. No problem. Um, How you doing today? That. I'm good. Today, it's actually warm outside. so Bridge the gap between spring and um, winter now. We're now in the good weather phase, which is Thank nice. Thank God. Yeah. It's been a long time coming, it feels like. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you come from and uh, what you do. Um, so I moved to Indianapolis, I'd say eight years ago, uh, from South Bend and I moved here to go to IUPUI, uh, Heron School of Art and Design. And I was really into photography at the time. Uh, and then you were in one of my photography classes, Nick. And I was like, well, what are you doing? And he was like, graphic design. And so I'm like, okay, shit let me see what you're doing because I was not really into photography at the time uh, and I was vibing a lot more with what you were doing and the projects you were working on so I was like you know what I think I'm going to switch my major to graphic design um, had and then, you done any graphic design stuff before like in in high school or anything like that um I was doing like photos for people's graduation wedding stuff like that and then they would eventually ask me maybe to put it on a card graduation card and that's when I messed with type and like shapes got into like illustrator and stuff hmm. um, what what year was this this was 2013 hmm. nice so yeah like right before right before college yeah that's what's up. How many different like <laughs> invites and stuff would you do? Or was it just really kind of seldom whenever the project came No, it, it popped up. Like it was enough for me to buy a laptop for school. Dude, yes. Yeah. What kind of laptop did you get? Just a MacBook. I still have it. <laughs> That's what's up. What, oh, was, uh, did you use that through design school as well? Mm-hmm. Nice. Until I spilled water on it. Oh, that's the worst. At least it wasn't coffee. Yeah. Did it break the computer completely? Um. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's the worst. Well, you actually, you had a, a Mac laptop back then. I, you know, the story of my crappy freaking PC laptop. Yeah. Like every time <laughs> in class, like the... We had to make fun of you for it. I had to put a book underneath it <laughs> just so that the computer could breathe. It was that bad. It was terrible. But um, I still have that crappy computer, actually. Hey, man. It and now works. I have this, which was for free and it's a pc as well so it's funny because like when we went to school people thought like oh he uses a pc like oh he must think he's like cooler than us using mac but really it's like nah dude like i just can't afford that yeah <laughs> i'm just rocking with what for i for real have. i mean whatever gets you to point a to point b you know barely it barely but got it me did though i get yeah hey okay well my senior year we had to do like animation stuff and like after effects things and that computer could do some Photoshop and Illustrator, but as soon as I was like doing keyframe animation, that computer was like, Bleh. what are you putting me through? I can't handle this at all. But uh, yeah, anyways, sorry to get off on a tangent <laughs> there. Um, what do you do for work, Lizzie? Um, so I, I work at a fabricate, I work at a metal and wood shop called Ignition Arts. Um, they're a little bit more than that. They also provide 3d designs for people. Um, they help artists even just budget a project, even if they're not gonna work through ignition arts, they just help artists figure out what they're worth, which That's is cool. how I was introduced to them. They asked me to paint a mural. Um, and they asked me how much, you know, and I was like, uh, 16, a square foot. And he was like, he was like, no, you should be charging 20 a square foot. And I was like, damn, like just, sorry. You're good. Just for someone to say that, like in the industry was a huge like learning curve for me. And mm. I was like, oh, that is, you don't ever hear that from people like, oh, we would actually be, should be paying you more. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and then I was working with them for a little bit, painting, starting to paint a mural. Um, and then they hired me to be sort of like a painter. Um, it's called like industrial coating because I'm using an air gun. Industrial um, coating? Yeah. That's like your job title? Yeah. Well, my job title oh, is coding, fabricator. Like C-O-A-T. Yeah. Got you. I yeah, thought like, you said like industrial coating, like HTML. Coding. <laughs> like you're some hacker or something. <laughs> I was like, that's dope. That's dope as hell, dude. Yeah, that's sick. So um, industrial coating, so you're working with like, you know, all kinds of chemicals and paints and industrial grade, long lasting like spray things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't say there's like a ton of chemicals. Um, but you have to know about it, some of that stuff, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a learning curve. But it's it's really, even if I make a mistake, the best part about it is I can always sand it down. I mean, it sucks, but I can always sand it down, start from sort of scratch, repaint, reprime it, repaint it, cleaning, of course. Most of the job is actually cleaning and sanding and prepping for something to be painted rather than actually painting it. Painting is the short part, but it's the most pressure. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Ignition Arts does like a whole bunch of really, really cool stuff. Um, Brian McCutcheon? I don't know how to pronounce his name. McCutcheon? Really? That's a, I wish I had a cool last name. Yeah, I know. He's uh, like CEO or president of the company. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Do you get to work with him directly or how does that work? Yeah. What's really cool about it is it's such a small, well, it's not a small operation, but um, it's pretty like immersive. It's very hands-on, especially in the wood, sh- wood and metal shop. So... Um, you know, he basically taught me, like, how to do the job, you know. That's sick. Did you have much expertise or experience doing that type of stuff before? Um, not... I can say that I've been painting for a couple of years now. <laughs> before we get too far into the discussion, um, where can our listeners of the podcast just kind of see some of your artwork and maybe... Um, purchase or see more of your stuff do you have like a website or something um yeah my website is lizzieb.xyz um but also instagram um at liz.b no that's not right (laughs) (laughs) liz.b sorry um for all the listeners out there and for nick um i have pretty bad ADHD so I ramble a lot and I go on tangents and <laughs> it's all over the place but you know I improvise so my Instagram handle is actually liz dot z-i-e underscore b so nice, I don't think nice. anyone's gonna write that down but it's liz dot z underscore Perfect. b speaking of improv you did like comedy improv for a period of time right yes do you still do that stuff Unfortunately, because of COVID, no. But I do, I don't know, I make videos. That feels a lot like performance art. There is an audience always because there's someone filming. Hmm. um, And it's meant for an audience, you know? So it's performance art, but um, you don't, it's not live. Hmm. How did you get into doing that stuff? Um, honestly, when I moved to Indianapolis, there were so many cool artists that inspired me. Um, there's a couple galleries open like the GPC, um, and the oil wick. Uh, the oil wick was kind of a spot where artists, like it was just experimental, like people would come and of course there would be art on the walls, but then other times there would be like open mic nights and musical artists would come uh, performance artists would come and it was just silly and like fun and like we would throw buckets of paint on the wall and like there would be someone like at open mic night with a microphone holding it up to the wall for like 20 minutes and it's just like <laughs> it's just like a wild place of creatives doing wild yeah stuff. it was fun that's dope uh, but that's what got me into improv hmm. and just performing and did you meet people there or was it just kind of being around the spirit of that type of a place? It was being around, yeah, the spirit. It led me to improv. Um, one of my best friends 
we were kind of buddies throughout the whole experience. So we, we, we went into improv together too. Nice. What is, what is improv like? It's, I recommend improv for anyone who has a job. Like I recommend anyone to have at least one improv class yeah, who why? has like, it teaches you how to listen better to other people. It teaches you how to, like, if you're a public speaker or if you have meetings, even Zoom calls that you get anxious about, if you have to present something or it helps you speak uh, and listen. Hmm. And, you know, it helps you realize, like, you can't really make too many mistakes in a conversation that you can improvise your way out of. Nice. Yeah, it's crazy because, like, you as an artist and designer, you always have this, you know, especially by looking at your work, you have this sense of like being very fun and light and, you know, just being goofy and having a bunch of like shapes and designs that are going to make people happy. Yeah. You know, like you don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel like that's where improv and also your artwork are kind of in a similar, in, in a similar realm or like a similar space. Do you feel like comedy or improv um, comes into your work at all? Definitely. I think, I think like anything you do needs improvisation, improvisation. Um, there are so many decisions you have to make on the spot, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really resonate with what you said when you said, I don't take myself seriously because I know going to Heron and I know you've experienced this too. So many people would just take so much time in explaining their art and explaining like the significance. And I think that's really cool. Like I, I dig concept art so much, but for me it wasn't vibing. Hmm. And that's kind of why I left uh, photography because it felt too conceptual and I just wanted to zoom out a little bit and kind of honestly just have fun. Yeah. You're more of a realist in that front. Yeah. That's what's up. Do you feel like, um, like, I guess to get to your visual style that you have now, how did, how did you end up at that? You know, what, what kind of things along your path did you kind of discover that led you to what you do now? Um, it's a really good question. I think, um, yeah, that my, my paintings are huge influence on graphic design. Because I actually, what inspires me is looking at old logos from like the 60s and 70s and 80s that have like totally retired and you know no one's gonna use it now Hmm. um it's some really cool like iconography just like black like symbols and i think about like having it be on a giant painting like with a gradient in the back or you know i like the minimalist color but um I just I think some sometimes logos can be pieces of art on their own, hmm. especially old ones. Absolutely. When 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 I think people who made the logos started out, they were just painting it, or it came from more of an organic place, and now people use computer, you know. Yeah, it was more. I don't want to say more creative, but it was it was more pure to the spirit of almost art in a sense before it became like over commercialized or something. Yeah, more like manual, like. Hmm. Where, what type of places do you go to to like research that type of stuff or, or discover some of that stuff? Um, books. Yeah, I have a bunch of old books from like old logos. Like design books or mm-hmm. something? That's sick. Yeah. Any in particular that our listeners could check out? <sighs> I put you on the spot. Yeah, I, I just don't know the title of it. Did you go out and purchase those yourself or did you end up finding them or were you given um, some of them? To be completely honest with you, I think some of them are stolen from the library. <laughs> <laughs> Just not returned? Yeah. Nice. Um, no, go ahead. It's not nice, probably. <laughs> I should return it. I'm sure they have multiple copies. Um, this is a question I ask most uh, podcast viewers because um, myself personally... I'm definitely interested in a lot of different types of music and some of that music tends to kind of funnel its way into my artwork and whatnot. Um, do you listen to music while, um, painting or while making videos or, or what type of stuff do you listen to on the, on the daily? Um, yeah, when I'm painting, when I'm painting, I think 
there are songs that come up that I'm listening to organically that just happen to resonate while I'm painting. Like, wow, this song is is really what I'm feeling. It's like pouring into this painting. It's like there are some songs that feel like the painting is absorbing it and it's like making it into a different meaning or it's like telling me something. And But usually I come across like songs that I'm just listening to organically or I'll, I'll play like stuff I have never listened to before while I'm painting. I like to do that because I like to not have expectations when I'm going into something. Hmm. Um, and I think if I make playlists for myself, I have expectations of, oh, I'll be feeling this way when this song comes on. I'll be doing this when this song comes on. But if like something organic starts playing and it's like maybe it's something that I would normally skip, but I'm just in my zone painting sometimes songs can like be in my mind they'll be louder at times like i'll be like i'll I'll ignore like four songs and then one song will come on and i'm all of a sudden like You're like whoa yeah that's cool yeah i would say some of the music i listen to is sometimes like that where either it's a note or a certain segment of a song where like whoa this is definitely speaking to kind of where i'm at right now yeah um either in this painting or in in your studio and what you're doing um and also when you said just kind of going with the flow, that sort of goes back to like your improv roots and whatnot. It does. Do, do you feel like your art influences your improv or your improv influences your art? I feel like I feel like my improv influences everything in my life. Really? Yeah. How so? It's like it just helps you make decisions on the spot. And with improv improv improvisation (laughs) you have to pretend like you're an expert on everything that comes up if you're asked to do an accent on some celebrity you don't even know like your job is to be an expert on that celebrity even if you're wrong because it's even funnier if you're wrong Hmm. the audience will love your confidence you know so just pretend you're kind of an expert and just I don't know. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I've never taken an improv class. I think I went to comedy sports. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I don't. I don't even know where that was. It's on Mass Ave. Well, it, is? it was. Where on Mass Ave? Um, near um the well, what was that jazz? It, it's not called Jazz Kitchen, but it's um a jazzy spot. <laughs> it's a jazzy spot in the city. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I, I either went there or it was somewhere in St. Louis. My dad took us one time. And um, it was kind of funny because, like, my dad enjoys, like, improv stuff. And I'm sure you can probably attest, like, maybe improv isn't necessarily for everybody. Or at least being in the audience of an improv show is kind of a... you have Oh, to that's have an a, experience. Yeah. And so, like, my dad was like, oh, let's go to a comedy show. And, like, brought the whole family. <laughs> and so, like, my grandma oh, no. and people are in there and they're like, what is going no this is kind of strange yeah but like my dad loved it and i can tell he enjoyed it and and he likes people being goofy and having impressions and stuff anyway so you know i appreciated it from a sense that you know he was having a yeah sure sure. but i i really could tell that the people that were at the improv show they loved it like Mm -hmm. you can tell they come out and they just have an absolute blast and there's a camaraderie is it like i imagine like most things like there's an art scene i'm sure there's also a comedy slash improv scene yeah there definitely what does that is. look like in Indianapolis? Um, actually, the drag community in Indianapolis is um, kind of ingrained with the improv scene in Indianapolis, really? which is really cool. How yeah. So? Um, often there'll be shows together, like at the White Rabbit, <clears throat> um, or one Square. show right after the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think they they partner a lot of the time and just do improv together but it there is definitely an improv scene <laughs> um but it's like all supply no demand kind of mm. thing you know just improv in general is like so much supply and especially right now that there's just no i mean with covid and everything but how have the uh the improv community how have you guys been like coping with that or like or um, do you do like zoom improv is that even a thing so I'm like not super involved with the improv community anymore, but I know of some of my fellow peers that are doing like they'll do group 
Zoom improv classes. Nice. Which is pretty fun. Um, I haven't done it myself, but. That's wild. Maybe. How do you feel when you do improv? Like, have you been on the stage and like you're a part of like mm-hmm. the whole show? Yeah. What is that like? It's the best feeling because I feel like it doesn't matter. I don't know. There can feel like there's a lot of pressure when you go on stage and you're in front of a ton of people. But I, it's almost like comparing the digital world with like the real world, like things that moments that are live are over the minute they happen. Hmm. But if you were to do anything, you know, on your phone or like record anything like that, they stay forever. So almost like when there's just this element of doing something live and the moment you do it, you can't undo it. It's like, it's it's constantly expiring Hmm. as you're acting. So... And a lot of people crumble under that. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. So how do you feel? Like, because I feel like most folks, if you put them in your shoes at an improv show, they'd be like, oh, I don't know what to say. Yeah. How do you exist in that world without like freaking out? Well, thankfully, um, thankfully with improv ingrained with it is like a base where you learn that you like there's a camaraderie of people that you trust and you can't really make a mistake because even if you do, someone else can make it funnier. Um, and there's so much forgiving, like there's so much things happening where people are like, you know, even if you're not funny, it doesn't matter. You know, I don't know. Um, I've always, I don't know. I've always been into like plays and stuff too. So I don't ever since you were little. Yeah. What sparked some of that interest? I was homeschooled. So I spent a lot of time, (laughs) Did you have friends that were no. also in? in <laughs> I didn't have I didn't any even friends. The sentence. <laughs> so you were left to your own devices to just. Did you yeah. have like shows or something that you watched, or like what was your point of cultural influence to kind of dictate what you wanted to do? Um, I remember whose line is it anyway? Did you ever watch that yeah, show? Yeah. Drew Carey. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I think my dad watched it more so than I did. I just remember he had big glasses and I was too young to understand what was going yeah. on. I just know he sat at a table and always like leaned. Yeah. And like, I think people <laughs> get up and do like skits or something mm-hmm. and he would, I don't know, people who know the show are probably like, Nick, you're such an idiot right now. But w- what was the premise of the show? The show was, it was a group of like four or five guys and they would give out points um, to oh, people. I think it's coming back to me now. That didn't matter. The points didn't matter. There would be sort of um, prompts, like yes. scenes from a hat, where okay, people I'm, would write down. I'm remembering now. Yeah. So, because I remember, I think it was um, David Spade was on there, I think, and like, okay. or maybe it was someone else. And like, they get they get a card, and then they have to like be that character, essentially, mm-hmm. which it sounds kind of like improv, mm-hmm. basically. That's wild. So you watched a lot of that. Oh, I wasn't allowed to watch it. No, I was like, they would send me to my room when they watch it. I grew up in like a very Christian household and comedy was iffy. You never know what's going to slip, you know, Mm. kind of thing. Interesting. (laughs) Do you think that informed some of your creative practice or your your comedy practice in Um, in some way? Definitely. I remember when I was first, when I first did a stand-up show on my own, um, I was really afraid to like advertise it, share it with anyone. Cause I didn't want my mom finding out and coming to Indianapolis and like watching my standup show because it, I just feel like there would be things that would shock her, you know, mm. just like I, I was smoking a cigarette. Like it, I don't even smoke cigarettes, but I just wanted to, I don't just know. For the performance. So. I was young. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm still young, but I I don't know. You're just figuring yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, so when you said you're doing a stand-up show, stand-up's different than improv, right? Yes. But there is some overlap, right? Yeah, for sure. So it's kind of like art and graphic design in some, some form of way. Improv is like, if I had to draw a parallel, improv is like the ab- abstract expressionist, like, uh, like not Art Nouveau. Is Art Nouveau the term? 
I don't know. I'm I'm so stupid with terminology. No, but I essentially, think it's, okay. it's like the people who are like they paint a canvas like white, and then mm-hmm. they like make like a story about it mm-hmm. and make something grand about it. Mm-hmm. And then comedy is the more like commercialized, like graphic design portion yeah. of art. Sure, in a way. I, mean, it, I, I yeah, I can totally see what you're saying. I yeah, it it's more uniform, like it's maybe got more of an audience. Hmm. Do those communities cross pollinate, or are they? completely different art styles that people don't really dabble into both um i think people should dabble into both if they're not i feel like one is a base for another do some people switch and become more stand-up and some people stay in the improv lane i think so yeah because with improvisation improvisation with With the i word (laughs) (laughs) i cannot say that word they need Uh, a shorter word for it i know they you it's very team-based and with uh, stand-up comedy, it's just you. Have you done just like just you stand-up? Mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah, it's it's really fun. What is that like? You just go to an open mic night? Yeah. Well, um, I remember when I first, my first stand-up show, I called some guy on Craigslist who was just like looking for stand-up comedians <laughs> <laughs> at Melody Inn. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to call him and I'm going to be an expert on stand-up comedy. And I do it all the time in different cities. And I did. I pretended like I was that person that just like did stand-up all the time. And he was like, um, like how much can you do for like, like, he was like, how long is your set? And I was like, it's either 30 minutes or four minutes. And there's no in between. And he was like, okay, uh, we'll take the four minutes. And I was like, thank God. (laughs) Can you do 45? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then I just showed up and it was a bunch of other people from Craigslist (laughs) who did comedy. And it was. What was that like? It was fun. I don't know. I don't so, really remember what it's like to be out in public anymore. So it's kind of another world. Deleted those files. Mm -hmm. What was it like going to you know, your first stand-up thing, like walk me through what that process is like. I just, there was a lot of energy. Um, I think I, I had written down what I wanted to say um, like the day before or like a couple hours before or something. Did you it, know what type of audience was going to be there or anything? Mm-mm, no. But it was very, I wanted it to be like, um, what's the word for it when you can go up to an art and you can touch it or play it or like like interact with it yeah interactive hmm. so i had questions for the audience you know i was like saying stuff to the audience having them respond back um at one point i planted someone with like a walkie-talkie and i had them call me on my walkie-talkie and i get like inner like in quotation interrupted from my stand-up because someone's trying to talk to me on my walkie-talkie and they're like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> and they're nice. like in the audience. So it was just, I just did characters. Yeah. How did it go? I think it went well. Did you get some laughs? Yeah. How many people were in the, the audience? I would say like 30. Nice. Yeah. 30 people. Yeah, it was fun. That's nuts. So you just... You go from just chilling one day to re- responding to something on Craigslist, <laughs> and yeah. now you're in front of 30 people. Yeah. That's a trip. Yeah, I bet that definitely influenced some of your art. Yeah, I'm sure it did. I know it influences my digital art, like, when I, do, when I dance, because a lot of my videos are, if the audience, I'm yeah, sure doesn't. Yeah, I was going to say, no. have people look it up, if you want them to. If yeah. If you want them to, that's fine. Um. If you do, a good introduction is Hungry Eyes. It's called Hungry Eyes if you just YouTube Hungry Eyes, Lizzie, or just Hungry Eyes. got a couple thousand views on it. Yeah. How many views is that that. up to? (laughs) I'm going to sound so pretentious, but I don't know. That's okay. It's a lot, people. More than I... I I've made some YouTube videos in my life. Nobody sees them. (laughs) So so props to you, man. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. It's... I I perform... um, both in like a green screen sort of space, like just dancing, as well as in public. And usually I'm wearing something ridiculous in public and I'm dancing around crowded people because my goal is to like interrupt them from their (coughs) 
interrupt them from their path that they're walking on hmm. or whatever. Which is a pretty like standard thing for an artist to want to do is to like grab people from the monotony a yeah. little bit. Um, so when when we were taking like design history or art history and you were learning about like the Dadaist movement, Ugh, did yeah. that did you like that stuff? What was your response to some? I else? loved that stuff. I feel like that was the only part that I was responding to in the really yeah course. Um, but yeah, I I loved that it was just a group of people and they were all doing like out of the ordinary stuff that was just fun for them to do at the time um, and challenged people's idea of what art was. Hmm. It was one of the, I think it was one of the main movements that we learned that semester that I was sitting there going, bro, I don't you know. You could not get no, with it. I could like some of the aesthetics of it. like, And I liked that rebellious kind of punk rock side of it for sure. But it was hard for my mind initially to wrap my head around, like, what are these people doing? Yeah. This guy wears, like, this weird, like, tin outfit and stands on a chair for five hours. And I think, like, I think if I look at that stuff and I could never teach it because I can't look at it and say, I can't be serious about that kind of stuff. What do you mean? Like, the absurdity of it is what draws me in. And what keeps me in. But anything sort of conceptual that's like, no, this is so serious. Like, I'm going to stand on a tin cup and, like, hold a, an orange on my head for three hours. It's like, no, that does not draw me in either. Hmm. But the absurdity of it, like, finding a mix between that and comedy, that's what makes me feel like that's my lane, you know? So in the design class, like that was a portion when you were just learning all this stuff. You're like, yeah, I don't really care about this. And then it's like Dadaism and you were just like, whoa. Yeah. That like struck a chord a little bit. For sure. Yeah. That's cool. For me, it was the... Opposite. I'm sorry. I just finish people's sentences all the time. (laughs) And they're like, not what I was trying to say. I mean, the Dadaist stuff, I appreciated it for the fact that it was super new and super different. And especially for the time, like... You know, it. the thing I, I also think about this in terms of the current era, and especially with artwork like yours, because things are very complex lately, like things are very overwhelming, especially with COVID. And people like yourself, I think, are trying to provide that, that sense of escapism that's not as dark. You know, it, it's providing a bit more of like a, let's just have fun for a moment, you know, instead of let's be so serious and, you know constantly have to raise a bunch of money for like you were just yeah. like let's just like do something goofy and put like a uh like a red jumpsuit thing on and just like run around and be goofy hell yeah like you just like to do that which I just I, yeah i think is awesome and i think people in the modern era today could benefit from some of that like being able to remind people like hey like just don't be so caught up in the constant rat maze and you know, it's good to have a break from time to time and just have a giggle at something absurd. And I think that's what the Dada is totally we're trying to do because I I believe when that movement kind of came about, it was during, it was either after World War One or World War Two when just everything was crazy. Like mm, yeah. all these people went to the war. It was time to of, rebel. Like, yeah, and like it was just people were upset and were dealing with really dark, like the day-to-day life yeah. was extremely dark. Yeah. And so as a resort of that, they kind of came up with this stuff that just was more light and didn't really have rationale behind it so much as it is the rationale of having no rationale. Yeah. (laughs) Which I really respected. The stuff in design school I really resonated with was the like constructivist and like Russian suprematism stuff where Mm -hmm. it was like, like, do you remember the, it's, it's a pretty famous piece that this dude El Lissitsky made where it's like a it's a circle in black and then there's like a red triangle that's like stabbing into it okay I just I remember that piece in particular I think it's called like the red wedge beats the white circle or something it's like the name of the piece but it was like you know we're learning about all this design stuff and how typography affects this and affects that yeah and these like Russian dudes in the 1920s were like let's just paint some like crazy architectural like wild shaped stuff like and that's what a lot of my influence was like when i made this poster right here i was looking into a whole bunch of that stuff yeah and And i I didn't see that in 
the current design culture necessarily. So I was trying to find an avenue for that stuff. I feel like, yeah, I feel like you were always searching when you were in design school for like, um, like an element to mix with the design to make it like when you got into that, like painting, when you got into painting, like you mixed those two worlds together, design Mm -hmm. and painting. And you honestly don't see that very often. Well, especially in Indianapolis. Um, but I, I know like, I think once you started getting into painting, I was like, that really resonated with me too. Cause I was like, I was looking for something like design mixed with something else and make that more like uh, present in Indianapolis, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. I, like we talked about kind of before we started the podcast, I never really considered myself an artist even like I, I always sort of looked at being an artist as like, Ooh. Yeah, and it's cool, and it's cool that you're being a cultural leader and stuff. But yeah, you're know, not gonna how make are you going to pay money. your bills? Yeah, exactly. But I think with some of the things we learned in design school and kind of just design thinking, I can try to apply some of that to maybe help businesses out or something like that. Yeah. So you know, I think there's ways to make it work for sure. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's almost like you have to come up with a meaning behind why you're making the art because when you do graphic design, there's always a reason why you're doing everything. There's a reason mm. why you have that color. There's a reason why you have, you know, the aura or, you know, the whatever you're making is for someone else, for an audience. And so it's like, what's the sort of, I mean, I had to wrap my head around what's the purpose of making art other than just for myself like how is this a selfish act like and really had to think about the benefits of other people Hmm. interacting with it yeah that's it's big stuff to try to wrap your head around yeah and especially i mean i try to wrap my head around some of that stuff too but if i had like life experience of doing improv and like making these youtube videos that you made and like I'm sure your perspective of why you make art and why you put things into the world is is uniquely you I'm sure yeah why do you create um that's a great question (laughs) I feel like I I do just make it for myself you know um nothing wrong with that yeah yeah if you like it odds are other people will resonate with it and connect with it yeah were you surprised to see the response of like the YouTube videos you were making? Oh, very surprised. Really? I, yeah, I was incredibly surprised because when I made it, I just made it on iMovie, you know, and I just kept exporting one file after another and adding on to that file. Like, just, it it was it was a long process and it was bootleg, you know, kind of, but uh, I was very surprised. How Was it a quick kind of explosion of views and whatnot or... How did it kind of reach the stratosphere of where it where it landed? Um, I was in a. Sh- it, I submitted the video "Hungry Eyes" to a show um, at Heron, and it was like the student show, and it didn't get in, <laughs> which I ex- completely expected it not to get in. And then the day of the show, um, one of my friends was actually a curator for that gallery, and she was like, "Hey." go check out like you know the side room or whatever so i went and she had snuck the video in nice <laughs> and it was there was like a crowd of people around it i was so no way stoked that's sick that was was that in the basile gallery or where was that one um i think it is the basile the big one what's the smaller one that's at the end of the hallway near the back doors shoot i can't remember i thought that was the basile (laughs) sorry heron uh faculty (laughs) that i don't remember anything from our building um because i know they worked really hard pushing the basile center too (laughs) i feel like a complete failure sorry uh shout out bernie dude (laughs) my bad man i really did try to push that (laughs) um do you feel like your your graphic design schooling helped propel your art or, or teach you certain things like what type of stuff do you take from your collegiate schooling you're kind of asking your some great questions dude i'm an Thank idiot you. so no problem i feel <laughs> i'm just pulling stuff oh, out that's of nowhere. awesome um i just i feel like if anything it taught me how to treat my work like a business mm. and how to like please the audience how to get more work 
um, how to honestly just how to make a resume and contact people back like with reason um, yeah it, it it's what uh, graphic design at Heron had a lot of like business techniques how to sell yourself and it seemed like everywhere else at Heron did not have that yeah. They were very much lacking in like real world preparation. That's I've I've definitely heard similar. But I think for a lot of people there was emphasis on like developing the visual language and developing just the the technical craft and whatnot for producing paintings and and things, but yeah, there the energy even in Heron was kind of weird. It was like mm-hmm. like the downstairs section where all the designers was, it was just like the air became like thinner yeah it was just like <laughs> cold precise and like yeah i don't know the the artists i always appreciated they were just like up there doing their thing man. yeah like it was their studios yeah paint splattered everywhere it's just like such a dichotomy to mm-hmm. you know okay let's make the logo green <laughs> you know what i mean like i feel like when we were at heron um in the design program you remember when we had to do like the we worked with a nonprofit or something like that? Uh, yeah, that was dope. Oh yeah, you did something cool for that. Yeah. I was gonna bring it up because I was like, I did you something suck. dumb. What did you do? You did like grow indie or something? Uh, I worked with a local compost hauler in Indianapolis, and we redid their logo and their website. It was really cool. Dope. Didn't they like implement that into their actual brand? After? They did. Yeah, so and it dope. was on like a bunch of restaurants that I worked at and stuff. It was cool. No way. That's super sick. Did you work in design? outside of design school just for like you know gigs it was just like for random clients how did you feel about that like after doing a full degree in something <laughs> not um, to put you on the right spot. no no it was strange i mean i was working at a restaurant for many years as a server after i graduated and it was just like always looking for a graphic design job always looking for a graphic design job always looking for a graphic design job but on the side I was actually spending a lot of my time getting into painting, like getting into painting murals, um, which looking back on it, I put more energy into the side hustle than I did the real, like looking for a desk job. Hmm. And that's what led me to the job I have now, which is not a desk job, you know? So props to you. (laughs) (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with desk jobs out there, but, uh, as a creative, desk jobs can be kind of soul-crushing yeah. to a certain extent. It's always tricky trying to find ways to pay the bills through doing stuff that you like. You know, yeah. Stuff that you like all the time. Like, psh, if I wanted to, I would just, like, paint graffiti for a living. Yeah. Like, I can't do that because it doesn't, doesn't really make any money. And I, I don't want to exploit graffiti either. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's – I remember I worked in uh, advertising – like right out of design school yeah um and also another thing did i ever tell you the the xyz like domain name scenario yeah uh i don't know if you told me but i think someone else has told me if if we're referring to the same thing yeah because i had a buddy who had a a website with xyz XYZ, and i had it too did it get like it it was like for some companies their spam folders like they have automatic like spam stuff so like when you email them if it's not a dot com or like a dot net yeah. It just like throws your email in and like the trash. So like my buddy moved to Chicago and was like, dude, he was applying like 20 places a day, constantly sending emails, sending emails, getting people's contact info, shooting stuff to them. And That's like he so got no calls back from anyone. Wow. And he emailed probably 200 people. It's and because that, he had an XYZ. Well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Because I had an XYZ email at the time too. And I was trying to get in contact with this small town to maybe do a mural in the town. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a phone call with the lady and I followed up with an email and then I gave her another call after I never heard back from her. And I was like, hey, you know, I sent you the email like you requested me to. What's up? And she was like, uh, I never got an email. And I was like, mm, definitely sent it. And she was like, hmm, let me check with our tech guy. And the tech guy was like, yeah, we delete all emails that have any external oh. domains immediately. And I was like, Oh my god oh wow because when i was trying to find a graphic design job too i didn't get i mean maybe it's a testament to my design work but i didn't get a whole lot of responses back from my outreach either <laughs> like truly i think i heard back from maybe like three people out of 
Yeah. Maybe a hundred or so that I sent info to. I don't know if I'm just saying like Man, that's I'm not bugged. telling you to change that's, anything. Yeah, but that's fucked for sure. Is, or, I mean, <laughs> it's okay. You can say whatever. Um, is your email through an XYZ? No, thankfully. Well, that probably helps. It does. That's why I didn't worry about it. The thing is, XYZ is dope. Like Lizzie B. XYZ. Yeah, it has a ring to it. I know. I couldn't. It was either that or Liz. Biz, and that was like twenty three thousand dollars. Liz. Biz. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, I wish I had a cool name. I could get a really cool domain name. I mean, you you can. Just come up with a like. Like a name. Nick. Okay, Nick. Um. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, I do abstract work. <laughs> yeah, no, but it works. It works like the name of this podcast, Abstract Thoughts. That works so well because it, it's almost like labeling you as your that abstract. Hmm. And so these are your thoughts. Shared Because Nick yeah. Abstract is sort of your, if that were your title, you know, then Abstract Thoughts is like your last name's hmm. title. Yeah, it gets tricky when people write a check to Nick Abstract, and I'm like, that's not my name, but okay. And also, I don't know. I've been I've been struggling with the name too because it's like abstract is a it's a type of art, and I'm like assuming that as like a brand. I don't know. It just I, feels I get what weird you're saying. I, I feel like maybe I'm overthinking this. I feel like you are overthinking it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I feel like I know what you're coming from. Where like people might have a a preconceived idea before they see your work by your name hmm. but frick i don't em. know yeah i don't i missed what you said i said frick em. <laughs> <laughs> where do you see your work going uh in the next couple of years um and you know what do you see that looking like um it's a good question i i have sort of like a five-year plan it's not um, you know, it's not a uh, concrete, <laughs> but I, I like the idea of coming up with this five-year plan and it? it's just, give me a second. I need to drink some water. Sure. Sure. You're good. <laughs> organize my thoughts. Take your time. Organize your abstract thoughts. So, um, as we were saying, my five-year plan is to get rich and famous as soon as possible. Um, so I bought a metal detector and I've been going to the beaches. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I thought you were being serious. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to open up sort of an artist co-op space, um, potentially, you know, in the next, I don't know whenever whenever i can get around to it but sort of a space like places that have been open before like general public collective and um the oil wick uh spaces that were sort of artist run um and experimental and had more than just art it was i I know a lot of those places played music um there were plays there like cool stuff like that so I would love to just provide a space like that for communities that are maybe like at Heron grassroots, like just kind of realizing what they're into, not really knowing, just wanting to experiment on just like making cool stuff and having an audience. Because in Indianapolis, there's like real estate is fairly low, um, you know, and there's an audience. People will show up to if you put on a show like people will show up there's not a lot of competition you know so i just feel like i have a lot of friends here um a really strong base of friends that all have the same um experiences similar experiences to me in indianapolis and i know we all like to get involved in something like that so Hmm. i I don't know yeah it's definitely pull it off yeah i i hope so it's just like in the dream state right now sure What are some beneficial experiences from, you know, places like the oil wick that you visited, like from you going to those places, what would you do differently or what do you have in mind to, to, to make it even better? 
Um, I think a lot of those places, because they were artist run, were a little bit disorganized. I, I know artists put on a lot of hats already. Like some artists are trying to also be curators and they try to, you know, the, a lot of them build their own stuff. So they're, you know, they have their hands in a lot of eggs. <laughs> What's eggs. the term? They have their, they have their they have their hands in a lot of eggs. Uh, is that a saying? No. It is now. They have their hands in a lot of eggs. They have True. their yeah. They have a Lots lot of, of eggs. Them. So they're juggling I, them. Yeah. Hey, it kind of makes sense actually now. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, so they're, they're juggling a lot of. That's what it is. Eggs. They're juggling the eggs. There you go. Yeah. We got, we got there. there. <laughs> we we ended up at the the train has arrived now. <laughs> Totally. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things that artists are trying to do. Yeah. But it's kind of disorganized. Yeah. Yeah. How would you organize something like that? Um, I think having spending a lot of time interviewing people who have done that before, who are doing that now, um, and seeing what they would have done differently, um, what they were thinking when they you know initial initially started it out, um, and collecting and like I think. <laughs> Um, graphic design led me to be in sort of a business mindset, collect an audience, like collect what their perspective would be, like <laughs> surveying people, you know. Um, and I think a lot of that goes hand in hand with like business operations. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's some overlap. I can definitely say having... My graphic design background has helped, you know, putting concepts and stuff together and just keeping my design things organized so that it's translatable to the client and they can kind of see where the design's going. Yeah. Versus the design is in my head and the client's like, okay, here's some money. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would hate that if I was a client. Yeah. And I think through doing the graphic design stuff, I kind of learned some of that. Um, yeah, that's super dope. I, I could see something like that definitely in indie i just love artists run things in the first place yeah i think when too much money gets in the in the pot too it gets a little convoluted sometimes yeah and, you know things become a little bit over curatorial yeah and there's less less nuance and new creative stuff yeah because then you get you kind of get stuck in what that curator individually wants and they kind of continue to do that absolutely over over. yeah i mean i would love to have a space that was for like in like improv place like in event um space also a space where people can have uh, studios you know maybe like a co-op where like we all share a collective rent um i would have to do so much research to figure all that stuff out but that'd be difficult yeah you can do it though i'm sure yeah it depends on how long i stay in indy yeah, Are you cont- contemplating going somewhere else? I think if I were if I were to stay in indie, like I would continue with this um, dream, I guess. See how far it would go, and then use it to launch off to go somewhere else. Hmm. I what think a lot of places. Like to go? Oh, I don't know. You don't have any in mind. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I'm just trying to get through the work week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get through Tuesday, man. <laughs> That's what's up. What would you say you're trying to communicate with your art and with your comedy and improv and all that stuff? Like, what are you trying to say? I think, like, just, like, anyone, like, I want to, I want to feel approachable to people. Um, I want to feel like, give people a reason to be more weird. Like, at least you're not the weirdest girl in the room or something, you know, like, I don't know. Um... I think it, I think it's like I want to see I want to see more people doing funny weird things and if I don't provide a space where people can go to for that then there's not really everywhere people there are still people who are really into making weird art mm. but um there's really nowhere for us to go Dang. right now. It's a bummer. Yeah. Especially during COVID. It's like I know. Phew, tricky. 
Yeah. I hope once we get out of this, it's going to be like a, you know, new renaissance where everybody's just so stoked to be out in the world and they're just like, take all my money. (laughs) That would be so awesome. (laughs) That would be super cool. I could see it happening. Definitely even a spring hit here. Dude, like people just smiling, walking around, like just so (laughs) stoked to be outside. Yeah. That's awesome. I've, I've definitely enjoyed taking more walks lately, enjoying some of the... Dang, that siren is loud. Yeah, they're... They're bugging. <laughs> they be bugging. <laughs> they be bugging. What is a day-to-day like for you when you're in the studio? So let's say, maybe not when you're working your day job, but like when you get into your creative space and you're making, what does that look like? What is your process? Um, I usually have, I usually start digital. Well, no, I start any process by writing. Just writing. I think um, train of consciousness writing really like just writing on paper like i said train of consciousness but it's chain of consciousness and i know someone's gonna hear it and be like she said train and not chain and it's gonna bother them a little bit Hmm. which is fine but i brought it up so i feel like people are a little bit more relieved yeah (laughs) it it just i i feel like any process starts with me having an emotion wanting to write it down and then learning about what that emotion was and then coming up with um, sort of a visual for that emotion. Um, And I usually go from drawing it out on my sketchbook to putting it on digitally, like on Illustrator. And then, because I like to work with like logos. Um, Once I have sort of a rough concept of what I want to make, it's um, the painting process is, there's a lot of prep because I like my work to be graphic similar to yours, but, um, I have to draw things on the canvas with a pencil because it has to be almost exact as much as precise as I can make it before I start painting. Cause I know once I start the painting proce- process, there are going to be mistakes. There are going to be things that set my lines off course. And I'm just going to have like, at that point, I'm going to have to improvise it and make mm. decisions on the spot, which is makes my work more like, there's an attempt for it to be precise, but it it's messy and organic and for sure. Yeah. Where do you see your artwork going in the next five, 10 years? Um, I don't know. Do you have any goals or dreams of where you'd like it to go? Um, or maybe even styles that you see other people do that you kind of want to emulate things kind of similar to that. That's a good question. I see, um, I don't, I, I'm really just craving being out, yeah. <laughs> out of quarantine. So I think at anything, if my art can be live, that would be, I mean, it's optimal. Really? Yeah. Like a live painting type of scenario? Sure. Or just perform, like comedy um <clears throat> I have a question for you. So if you have an interest in performance art, an interest in improv, but then you also do paintings, mm-hmm. like where are you at with that line? Like That's how do you separate point. the two? You know what I mean? Yeah. I I I think right now that the lines are very separate. And well, especially when one is like non-existent, like performing. Mm, Yeah. But I think, I don't know. I think it would be cool to put them together. Really? Yeah. I wonder (laughs) what that would look like. Yeah. Me too. I'm sure you'll figure something out or whatever direction you're heading. Like you're definitely heading in a direction for sure. I think maybe that's, that's part of the, that's part of the charm with, I think some of your artwork is that. It doesn't have to feel so contemplated and so like direct like there's this harsh like narrative that you're trying to push like you're really just like let's just float with this kind of see what happens and see where it goes like you're not trying to cram a narrative into it per se. Yeah, that's really reassuring to hear. Yeah, no problem. I should have provided like 20 questions to ask you for another three hours. You're good. Yeah, this is the first podcast I've done where it's. You know, I have a list of questions, but yeah. I'm not like tightly adhering to them. Okay. Because I don't want it to seem 100% like it's like, so Lizzie, mm-hmm. tell us your name. Yeah. Tell us what you do. Yeah. What is your artistic style? 
what would you classify your artwork as? Like, that's so boring. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I wanted it to be more conversational. And especially, too, with someone like you, like, I don't know. I feel like yeah. you wouldn't shine in a dry, like, interview style right. thing. You know, like, you're, yeah. more, you're more abstract of a person <laughs> to just, like, not have to I, sit I feel and like, answer questions. Yeah. I feel like I, I can't be I, I i'm my mind is just all over the place like just i have crazy adhd and i'm just like i yeah structure is hard so hmm. even if you were to be asking me those questions i think that i would be struggling a little bit hmm. it's interesting because like you coming from doing improv and stand-up that's way more public than like just you and i having a conversation yeah, you know but I mean? so is it like one on one is harder than like one on thirty, well, one on forty? No, but in like in public, it's like every moment has just expired, you know. So it's um, it's, it's that like right now you and me are having a conversation and it's being recorded, and someone's gonna listen to it. But when you're doing something live, it's in the moment. It's like the only person's going to listen to it. And if you're like at the bar and someone's shaking a martini, you're not going to hear what I said. And that's just too bad, mm. you know. So when you make a mistake live, it's it's just no pressure because the mom- moment's already gone. It's fine. Dang. No one's going to look at it back later and be like, she fucked up, bro. <laughs> like she looked so stupid. When you did your first stand up, did you have like a dry moment where you were like, oh, Oh yeah, for and sure. What did you do? Did you just You just hope that someone else has got your back, honestly. But if you're on the stage solo. Oh, uh, right, stand up. Um What you just go into the next thought that enters? Yeah, thankfully that... I <laughs> I had a little notebook with me with like characters, so I would just hmm. jump into something else. Is that kind of standard in the stand up realm of people like at an open mic you can have notes or something and it's not like frowned upon? Yeah, yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. I always wondered what the point of entry was like for something like that. Because, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I would ever... I don't know what I would say if I did stand up. I really don't. I feel like you... You you would have a, I feel like you would have a hard time um, making something sound like a joke, even if you are joking. Yeah, I'm kind of serious. Yeah, like just the tone of your voice would be like monotone while you're telling a joke. Like, <laughs> well, it's so funny you bring that up because my dad in particular, like all of my friends in high school, terrified of my dad. And my dad's just like a really <laughs> nice dude who, like, in his head and in his heart, he's just like, yeah, like, you know, whatever people want to do, like, cool, man, whatever. Yeah. But like. The way he would say that's like, yeah, I mean, whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, like my sister, all of her boyfriends that, you know, she dated in high school, all yeah. of them were just terrified of my dad. Yeah. But my dad really doesn't have a mean bone in his body <laughs> at all. It's just the way he talks, the way he, like, and if he's listening to this, dad, <laughs> sorry, man, I love you. But it's so funny because even in text messages, and maybe the, this really rubs off in my business background, my dad sending me text messages in like voicemails hi nick this is chris it is 6 35 on a tuesday i'm calling yep. you in reference to so and so um i'm uh, just wondering when you're going to be able to um let me know about that um, <laughs> yeah feel free to uh oh also there's an email in your inbox and, yeah um, well thank you very much have a good one does Love he you, nick. like Bye. say his name at the end like this is from yeah stuff yeah. like that like yeah. thanks chris yeah like, yeah text message you're like epic dude <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, my dad's similar. He'll be like, greetings, it is 3.09 p.m. Is that just a phone thing? <laughs> a phone thing? No, you it's a, I mean? it's a, it's like a person thing. I'm down with it. <clears throat> I mean, it is helpful. It's not like it's a complete waste of time. Sure. Definitely good to hear about your process. <clears throat> hear about some of the improv stuff. I'd always been curious just to ask you that, too. Yeah. Because... I don't know. I don't have any experience with improv or anything. Always found it interesting, but the point of entry, like, how do you, how how does one become an improv? Yeah. I think, um, well, improv, a lot of times you would volunteer to, to go to places like even Heron faculty meetings and do a really short improv, improvisation. Um, not like a course, but like, um, workshop. And like it was a team building hmm. activity, and so 
improv groups go around places all the time and do little workshops for people to help them gain confidence and clear communication. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that a pretty popular business practice for people in improv? Like, do they make money doing that? Yeah. How does that work? That's, I don't know. I mean, at least in Indianapolis, other than shows, events, um, that was probably more of the way that they got more of the money that Hmm. they received. Are there people that are full-time improv? Is that a thing? Yeah. That's awesome. In indie? Um, I don't think so now. I mean, mm. all, that whole revenue is just gone from indie. I mean, White Rabbit is having a hard time staying up, and that place was hopping. I mean, it's sad, but I, I think it'll pull through. I hope so. <laughs> I think it will. I hope cultural relics like that can stay doing their thing. And if not, I mean, shit will rise out of the ash, you know? <laughs> As it does, yeah. Well, cool, Izzy. This was fun chatting. Yeah. Always welcome anytime if you ever have like a gallery show or something you want to promote. Wow. Thank you, dude. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Um, Listeners, where can... uh, Actually, more Lizzie, where can listeners see uh, more of your artwork in the future and stay up to date with some of the stuff you do? I would say my Instagram, um, which is liz.zie, which is uh z it's pronounced z um underscore b wait I got as con- in boy I got- <laughs> I'm, I, I'm so bad at stuff like this what is it at liz dot okay let me take a deep breath okay so she, she writing it down <laughs> my instagram handle is at liz l-i-z dot z-i-e underscore b so Lizzie B. Lizzie B. Got you. Got you. The infamous Lizzie D. Lizzie B. Oh my God. Now people are going to be like, I can't find this Lizzie D. Lizzie C. B isn't boy. Gotcha. Lizzie Bilbrey, the infamous. Thanks for chatting. This was a blast. Thank you. Peace. Peace.